0: On Air with JT. If you are a business owner, brand, company, or anyone selling a product and you want to advertise on this podcast, email the show directly at onairwithjt at gmail.com. We are offering extremely low rates for a limited time. Once again, email the show at onairwithjt at gmail.com. Listen to On Air with JT on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Go to onairwithjt.com. This is a JT-exclusive interview. This is a JT-exclusive interview.
1: What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening or watching a brand new episode of On Air with JT. And of course, as you know, my name is Justin Thomas, but you can call me JT. And again, thank you so much for all of your support. I really, really do appreciate it. You can listen to this show exclusively on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Just head over to onairwithjt.com and all of my links and platforms are there. You can also watch the full episodes and clips behind-the-scenes exclusive content at my YouTube channel just type in on air with JT just head over to on with and everything is right there and of course if you are a business owner a brand a company and you're interested in advertising on this podcast my social media platforms and my new podcast that are launching this year then send me an email Course, serious inquiries only, you can email me at on with JT at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. Yes. Sir.
0: You are listening to On Air with JT. If you are a business owner, brand, company, or anyone selling a product and you want to advertise on this podcast, email the show directly at onairwithjt at gmail.com. We are offering extremely low rates for a limited time. Once again, email the show at onairwithjt at gmail.com. Listen to On Air with JT on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Go to onairwithjt.com. Caution, you are listening to On Air with JT, a fully uncensored, raw, and unfiltered show. JT doesn't give a fuck. You are listening to On Air with JT, pop culture, news, rants, interviews, serious discussions that the mainstream media won't talk about, and so much more. This is On Air with JT. You are listening to On Air with JT.
1: How's it going, everybody? You are listening to On Air with JT. And I have a very exclusive interview with a very talented individual, Ryan Dusek, founding drummer of Maroon 5. How are you doing today, Ryan?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks. My, it's my day off, so I get to relax.
1: Uh, I, don't, I don't mean to make you work on your day off.
2: No, not at all.
1: Oh, man. So, man, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to do this interview. Like, I really appreciate it, you know. Uh, You know, I just grew up listening to Maroon 5 and, you know, I've always been a music nerd. So, you know, I've always appreciated like every band member of every, you know, band that I like. So it's very surreal to be able to have a conversation with you and, uh, you know, thank you. I, I really appreciate it
2: it's my pleasure and it's you know always surreal to hear somebody say something like that because obviously we were just kids in a band ourselves talking about the bands we loved you know and so to have uh, people give us that feedback it's always pretty pretty nice
1: yeah kind of ironic because Cara's Flowers was founded what in 94 that was the year I was born
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay now you're making me feel old <laughs>
1: but yeah so like you know obviously I grew up listening to Maroon 5 you know and just like songs about jane i mean it's just it, my personal belief you know i feel like it's borderline like a masterpiece of an album from you know front <coughs> to end i mean like a really no, i i know like you you know you were a part of it and you know musicians and artists and creators are you know their biggest critiques but from my perspective you know it's a great Albums, not just like all of, you know, the, the radio smash hits and all that. But like, there are so many great songs that are so underrated, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, well, you know, we, it's interesting. We, we definitely wanted to make a record that, you know, transcended the time in terms of, yeah, we wanted to have hits, but we wanted to do something that was... Um, you know, a a generational album, like the ones that we grew up loving, like Michael Jackson Thriller or Prince's Purple Rain or stuff like that. And and, uh, obviously, that was a pretty audacious idea to try to aspire to that. But that's kind of where our head was at. And when we were in the middle of making it, we were sure that we had failed <laughs> we, we thought we were really blowing it that we we had the potential and we were not really fulfilling it and a lot of i think pretty much everyone in the band can attest to the fact that for years we couldn't even really listen to the record because we were so inside of it you know when you're making your when you're working on your art and you get so inside of it that all you're hearing is the little details and the things you wish you could have done differently. Yeah. Uh, you lose objectivity, you know, <laughs> but then, you know, 10 years in when the record had really been something that, that uh, stood the test of time, I think I can't speak for the other guys, but for me, I, I go back and I listen to it now and now I can, now I get it. Now I see that <laughs> we were, we were inside of it and it, it worked. <laughs> it definitely, It
1: definitely worked. Uh, just to take you back a little bit, you know, so you, And adam and everybody like you guys kind of grew up together right
2: yeah well adam was a like a family friend of of mine um his parents were friends with uh friends of my parents so it was kind of like we saw each other at events every now and then we weren't close or anything as kids but uh he was a couple grades below me or a year and a half younger than me so he kind of was just like an annoying little brother to me at the time (laughs) (laughs) You know, because he was kind of rambunctious and hyperactive, and I, I was when you're like 10 years old, and there's a kid that's eight that's hyperactive, you're just kind of like annoyed, you know. <laughs> exactly. But then uh, a few years later, you know, we started playing music, and we we played together a bit. But it wasn't until high school, when I was 16, um, that we started the band together, and uh, we became really close friends at that time. Um, you know, because I didn't realize it that we had really the same taste of music and that we were both really into a lot of the same stuff. And so at that time in our lives, when we were in high school, it was like, it was the, you know, the nineties and it was the grunge era. And we were into Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Nirvana and all that. So we were really just kind of, uh, we really bonded at that point and became really close friends and he was friends with Jesse and Mickey already at that point. Uh, okay.
1: Wow. that That's, that's crazy. What are the odds, you know, so many talented, you know, musicians just, growing up together knowing each other and then founding a band, you know, it happens, but you know, it's very rare to, you know, then get that extreme success. So you guys started in 94 with cars, flowers. And when, when did you guys go on that little hiatus, um, in the late nineties, it was like, it was like a six month or like a year hiatus you guys went on.
2: It was, it was really only about six months. I think or a semester. Um, it, we, you know, we, we got signed to our first record deal uh, around 96 and okay. put out an album in 97 on um, Reprise, Warner Brothers. Um, and at that time, we thought, okay, we're just going to go off and become rock stars. And it didn't really work out that way, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, if you look at it in the long run. Yeah. Um, but at the time, obviously, we were disappointed and came home a little disappointed dejected and not knowing how we were going to move forward um, I decided to re-enroll in college at UCLA here in Los Angeles and um, and Mickey did as well and Adam and Jesse you know our, our taste in, in music was kind of splintering off at that point and we didn't know what kind of band we were going to be if we were going to continue to be a band um, and so we had the biggest sort of rift that ever happened uh, that d- during the time I was in the band that um, we didn't. We just weren't on the same page. And Adam and Jesse decided to go off to New York for about whatever it was. I guess a semester. Um, they went to a, a music college out on Long Island, and um, and so during that time we were. It was the longest time we were separate and not playing together. But they were writing out there, and they would send us songs they had written, and uh, we were still communicating a little bit. But when they came back, we had to have a big sort of heart to heart and see where where we were and if we could. St- continue to make music together and weirdly enough we kind of just landed back on the same page together without even really trying we were all getting into a lot of the same music which was very different from what we had been playing before so it was pretty i don't know it was i guess the planets aligning in a a certain way we found this renaissance in our in our whole creative relationship at that point
1: wow okay so that was around what 2001 roughly
2: uh well they were gone in 98 and then when they came back and we started writing uh some of the new stuff it was probably around 99 uh and 2000 i think was when we wrote a lot of the songs that would end up on songs about jane um and then we recorded songs about jane towards the end of 2001 i think
1: okay wow so and when you guys started writing the most of the songs that were on songs about jane were you guys currently signed with the label at the moment at the time or
2: <laughs> no wow. that's what's amazing is that we we had this big record deal with warner brothers and we basically got dropped after that album tanked and we were we went back to the drawing board completely i mean we we i well, either we fired or, or got dropped by our label, our attorney, our manager, our agent. Everything like we had no representation whatsoever. It was back to like me booking us gigs uh, at clubs and passing out flyers on campus, and you know, really just starting over. And um, and then when we started writing some of the songs like Sunday Morning and Not Coming Home uh, and Through With You, then. It was clear that we were on to something around 2000. And um, and so Jordy, Jordan Feldstein, who was a family friend of Adam's, and he was working as an agent, a junior agent at, I think, CAA at the time. Okay. Um, he was a guy that I knew as well. I played soccer with him as a kid. And he just really saw something in those new songs and was like, I want to take you on and manage you and I want to f- somehow pull together funds to, to make a demo, a proper demo of these songs." And he really hustled and got it done, and we got some investment from a couple people, and we went into a nice studio and pulled some favors and made this demo called The Conway Five, which was those three songs and, and Secret and another song called Ragdoll that didn't make the album. But um, those five songs really were the sort of turning point that, that New, new labels started getting interested again yeah. for the for the first time in like five years and wow. but even then you know we played for like we showcased for every label in the industry we were going to new york and playing for the new york labels and and doing showcases in la and everyone was passing
1: on us so I have, believe I, it or I, not and that's crazy so I, I have to ask you ryan like because obviously you know as, as a musician a creator an artist like you know especially if you have something good, you know, you know, or decent, you know, you you know, you you have something special, whether the world sees it at that time, at that moment or not, you know, you you, sometimes, you, you know, you make stuff, and you know, it's something special. And, you know, as a musician and part of, you know, Maroon 5, and getting, you know, passed on and everything during this time, was there any, like, like, looking back, was there like any like self doubt or is it more just like frustration at like the industry on how it's kind of just designed and programmed?
2: I think at that point we were feeling really confident despite the disappointment every time a label would, would pass because, um, you know, we had been through the mill already. We had already had that whole thing of of the the industry being excited and telling you you're going to be stars and then that not coming to fruition and realizing even that is not a sure thing. Like when somebody is blowing smoke up your ass, like, you know, it's it doesn't mean it's going to work out that way necessarily. They might have their own interests involved. So we, we really were ready to hustle and do it a different way. And if it meant making an indie record and promoting it and figuring out how we were going to, get our foot in the door, we were prepared to do that. And I think what we really thought was that we had a really unique sound now for the first time. We had something that was kind of special and different. Um, and the, the, the feedback we were getting, we saw as just really short-sighted because a lot of the, the A&R guys were saying, well, you guys are, are a good band, you have a good chemistry, you know, you have um, a lot going for you in terms of talent. Uh, however, your style is kind of non-specific at this point. It's kind of in between radio formats, and so they just couldn't really figure out like what genre or format they would promote us at. And you know, it shows you how short-sighted people could be. You know, yeah, it's like exactly. we we saw that as an advantage. We thought, well, yeah, if we were just a generic pop or rock or R and B band or whatever format you imagine, like we could have a hit but is that do you, do you have staying power if you're if you're that formulaic yeah. so we saw you know the fact that we were eclectic and unique as an advantage in the long run it was just going to take somebody to have the vision to be able to figure out how to promote that
1: exactly that definitely makes sense but once like songs about jane came out you know was released and it's you know started charting it, like what was it i mean like was there i'm sure you were a little shocked i mean like you know, was there a defining, like, a real, I'm sure there were many several defining moments in early, especially early on in, you know, Maroon 5, you know, in terms of, like, success, but, like, was there one defining moment that comes to mind was, like, oh, like, oh, shit, like, damn, like, we, we got something, like, we're, we're, we're doing it, this, this is becoming a reality, like, this is, this is, you know, coming to fruition, like,
2: yeah, you know, there were definitely a few moments that stand out uh, as big, like, wow moments for us. Uh, we really worked hard, you know, we were on the road for two years uh, before the album really took off um, in 2002 and three, touring all over the States and in and Europe. And, um, and so it, it was a gradual thing, you know, go, we were opening for more established artists and kind of going from clubs to theaters and, and up and up and the first time that we opened for someone in an arena sized room uh was opening for john mayer i think it towards towards the end of 2002 um maybe it was the start 2003 oh no it was it was around uh thanksgiving 2002 yeah um it was at temple university in philadelphia um their their basketball arena there and um we had never played a room that big and and when we went on stage it was a little half empty you know it was was a little quiet everyone was kind of milling around obviously nobody knew who we were but john was was nice enough to go out and he brought the lights down and made it very dramatic he kind of waited for the room to fill up a bit more and then he went out there and introduced us and so the whole audience was kind of like primed uh to pay attention to us i think but even then we had never played a venue that size before and when you walk out on stage it's just like it's you can't really see the audience because there's these big lights on you and it's just kind of a big empty black void out there Mm -hmm. and and when if you don't we didn't have in-ear monitors at that point and so the the sound is just kind of a distant rumble you know going off the back wall and you have a tiny little monitor on stage to hear yourself but uh we were playing and it was a little cold and stiff and then and then we got to the breakdown part of the set we were playing sunday morning and i was just kind of looping the beat and uh adam asked the the lighting guy to pull the house lights up and he pulls the lights up and we see a packed arena and they go crazy and we just see like i remember looking up at the back of the arena people just standing up against the back wall and they look like little ants waving their hands above their heads right. and they were I mean they were really into it and obviously we had made an impression on them in just like four or five songs and um and it, it, that was a moment I just kind of was laughing to myself it just felt really surreal like okay we I don't know if we're there yet but this is clearly something's happening
1: yeah that must have been an amazing feeling
2: it was. It's one of those moments like, okay, this is what you dream of and here it is. And, and most people that dream of doing this don't ever get the chance to do something like this. So, exactly. Um, yeah, it felt, it felt special.
1: Definitely. Um, and like, I, mean, I just want to say one thing before I move on to the next topic, you know, we were talking on Instagram and I, you know, just mentioned how I, I love Must Get Out. Like I just feel, it's one of my favorite songs. Like I probably listened to it at least, I'm not exaggerating, you know, 10, 15 times a week. Um, and it, it's just, and just the, the drums on it. And then we're t- you are talking about the shaker it's just like, it's so cool. Like, like I don't And I, if you could just, you know, briefly just kind of explain how, like, you know, why you think that song is like good as well, because I just feel like it's just such an underrated song on that album, just because there were so many hits, you know, well, you know, radio hits and, and, and things like that. Uh, on the album I feel like it just kind of took away you know attention to you know the other songs that were on the album to a certain extent
2: sure and that's great to hear you know uh I think must get out probably more than any other track is the one that that gets mentioned the least I think people kind of I don't know in my from my perspective I the way that I hear people talk about the record it's it's sounds like that track was the one that had the least impact um and thinking about how that song came about and how it ended up on the record and recording it and stuff I, it's not surprising to me uh, but there was a point at which i think adam and maybe the record label thought it was even potentially a single um i remember because it was like we had written i think the core of the album was all the songs that were in the vein of like um not coming home through with you tangled shiver um, kind of the more uh, sexy darker bluesy kind of songs Mm -hmm. um and that was kind of the sound we were going for and then we thought sunday morning was kind of maybe the crossover pop song um so we, we were sure that we were ready to go into the studio and make an album but the record label was doing what the record labels do and saying we want to we want to hear more singles mm. um so we, we just kept writing and writing and, and uh, adam i think at a certain point made a discernible effort to try to write stuff that sounded like you know pop radio songs uh she will be loved was definitely one of those songs definitely. um and and must get out was another one of those songs which i remember him playing the demo and thinking to myself okay that's another one that maybe is in that vein could be but it wasn't that exciting to me at first um i thought it was it was a decent song but i I didn't really think it was a hit uh but adam was really high on it and the record label was high on it um and then it was one of those songs that we he made a demo of and we had a collection of demos of songs we were going to try to consider for the album but we hadn't even like incorporated it into our set i don't think we'd even played it in a in a band rehearsal or anything it was just a demo that he made on a on a computer with a, with sam Ferrar, uh who was his kind of recording partner and so we went into the studio to to and in pre-production we picked the songs that we were going to record and that was one of them and i really think the first time i ever played it on the drums was in the studio when we were recording it so i was kind of just making it up as i was going along um and that was one of a few songs that we tried kind of more of a a looping kind of effect kind of really building it from the ground up of playing a beat Mm -hmm. and trying to get it really consistent and just have it kind of just layer on top of it so it was it was an attempt to have a very um almost hip-hop consistent sounding drum track and i did my best to build that with you know my drum performance and then doing some some percussion and one of the shakers that i threw on there ended up being i think a big part of kind of the the groove the swing of it um yeah but then you know it was one of those things we were listening to it back and we're like all right it's okay i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i guess we need another song on their album that sounds kind of like she will be loved and then kind of got forgotten about it, it it was never really a song that people really paid that much attention to but it's nice to hear that it had that impact on you <laughs> yeah I,
1: I, I love the song um But yeah, Ryan, so, you know, obviously, everything just kind of took off, you know, Um, I'm sure it was kind of overwhelming, you know, just with just how everything kind of just happened. you know, I know it wasn't an overnight success, you know, you know, people think, you know, everything's an overnight success, but they don't realize that there were, you know, hundreds or thousands of overnight failure failures to get to that quote-unquote overnight success but once you hit that and you know everything started blowing up and you started touring and you know just everything just you know in terms of money and, and just fame and, and all of that you know I'm sure uh, it was also overwhelming to a certain extent.
2: Yeah well it, it was definitely overwhelming and particularly for me because you know as the drummer I uh you know, in some ways, I had never really learned some of the fundamentals and, and how to play without injuring myself, mm. um, how to have the endurance to keep up that kind of pace and playing every day that much. Um, and I, I just some of I think just my constitution was not really built for that lifestyle. I, I'm not a good sleeper when we started traveling overseas and jet lag was an issue for me and um, and just also I'm, I think I was just a little more tightly wound. Mm-hmm. uh, maybe than some of the other guys. And, um, I, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself to perform and kind of a perfectionist by nature. And, um, I didn't realize that anxiety was an issue for me cause I didn't really relate to it as that. But, but looking back now, I realized that, um, there was a lot of internal pressure that was now meeting up with external pressure, mm-hmm. you know, of just constantly be traveling and, you know, constantly having demands on, on our time and energy and and it's just it's just never ending when you when you are trying to have a hit um you're doing everything you can you know saying yes to everything and doing one tour after another and there it's not just the shows it's the the in-store performances and the acoustic you know radio performances and the meet and greets and the photo shoots and the everything that goes into building um you know a a campaign to promote an album and then two years in you all of a sudden have a hit on your hands and it's taking off and then it gets even more intense because now you're like international and Mm -hmm. and the demands are even greater and you're flying all over the place i remember at one point uh we, we had just i think uh finished doing some show in new york some tv show or something and we were supposed to come back to la and have a week off and we flew back to la And we literally had just gotten off the plane. We were waiting for our bags um, at at baggage claim at LAX. And our manager calls us and says, "Uh, we just got offered the Letterman show in New York tomorrow night. So you guys got to get back on a plane and head back to New York right now. (laughs) So we literally didn't leave the airport. We flew from New York back to LA and just turned around and got on another flight back to New York. And then it just that was what our life was like at that point and it 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 was fun and exciting for a while, and then at a certain point it really started to take its toll on me And
1: in, in in what way like w- w- just with anxiety or just it was just just so much it was just you weren't able to really kind of like focus like and and be able to put like give it your all or did it get to like that kind of point or <sighs>
2: Well, it was a combination of things uh the way that it really manifested that affected me at the time was physically uh, mm-hmm. i had an old injury in my shoulder kind of chronic tendonitis in my shoulder from pitching in high school oh, okay yeah and that started to hurt and it was getting harder for me to get through the sets and and i was having to kind of contort myself and change my already flawed mechanics to try to figure out a way to play through the pain mm-hmm. and um but you know at the time it seemed like my body was breaking down physically in retrospect i can see that there was definitely this the psychological element to it which was um you know definitely the the self doubt and the um and the, the amount of pressure i was putting on myself and and you know anxiety in the sense of like this impending sense of doom like this is all going to keep getting worse and i'm i'm going to go down and i'm not going to be able to handle this and and it was um Like I said, it just it was my whole constitution really that kind of broke down to the point where I was feeling really defeated and and not believing that I could I could keep going on. Uh, So it was it was not something that happened one day or overnight. It was something that happened over time and it wasn't just one joint or one one function. It was kind of a whole mind body spirit breakdown that happened. Wow, I'm so
1: sorry to hear that, man. Uh, like, I I just want to tell you, you know, I, I suffer from anxiety as well, like crippling anxiety. Um, and I've, I've experienced it, you know, I've had it for over 15 years of my life. So I, I know what it's like and it's not an easy thing to to deal with. Um, but I can only imagine, Ryan, you know, and you said, you, you know, you put a lot of pressure on yourself and I'm the same way as as well. Did you like how it must have been you must have felt so much pressure just because of how successful songs about Jane was for that next album, for those next, you know, hits, because the world has already, you know, seen, you, you know, the, you guys, they, they know the music, they know you guys are talented, you, you know, they know that you guys come out with great music. There must have there been a just, a, a, just so much pressure on top of just being already, you know, the kind of person that puts a lot of pressure on themselves. Um, it it must have been a lot
2: yeah it was definitely the intersection of the of the internal pressure I put on myself and and the external of all these things that were both you know really rewarding and fulfilling uh in terms of achieving our dreams, but then also you know the expectations that come with that and and what are we going to do with that and we knew that the follow up would have to be great and and I was excited about that I, that was what I was looking forward to. It was the touring that was really beating me down. I, I had always enjoyed the creative process. Uh, more than anything you know making the songs and coming up with the arrangements and recording them like that was always really fun and, and inspiring to me but the the slog of you know playing night after night and traveling day after day um and i also i mean the other there's so many different factors but another element for me is that i'm, I'm kind of a I, by nature an introvert um and, and by that i, I don't mean I, i'm I don't mean I'm not so uh, social. I, I do enjoy being around people and and having fun with with my peers, but 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 within limits. You know, there's a point at which I get exhausted being around people all the time, and I need my own space, and I need you know to to kind of recuperate and do my own thing. Mm. I, I do a lot of solitary things when I'm home, mm. and you you just don't have any any of that really when you're on the road. You're just kind of in a submarine with a, seeing the same people. Day after day, hour after hour, and yeah. and again, I I could kind of like sign up for that and try to have fun with it for a certain amount of time, but then it starts to take its toll on you. And I just felt like um, I wasn't recharging my batteries ever. You know, it was just I was on empty all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure it just takes a huge toll. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of a lot of pressure, a lot of work. You know. It's not it's not easy. People, you know, pe- people, you know, that are fans or just not in the music industry. They, they really don't know how much work that goes on behind the scenes and, and, you know, just everything. I mean, obviously, like you said, there's so many f- different factors. But um, so essentially you left the band in around 2006. Is that, is that correct?
2: Yeah. Yeah. When we were just uh, starting to work on the next album.
1: OK. Um, so what what did you, what did you do when when you left right away? Like, what were where were you in terms of like your your mindset and like what was going on?
2: Well, it was devastating, you know. I mean, le- leaving the band at that point uh, was heartbreaking. You know, it was like everything that I had been um, working for, working toward for over a decade with my best friends you know i mean we were we were buddies and it was it was something we had started together and we'd taken it to the top together and um i felt like i wasn't just losing this career um i was losing my whole identity really you know it was everything all of my self-definition had been wrapped up in uh the music that we were creating the the sort of brotherhood between the four and then five of us um and, and just sort of my whole social world um, revolved around the band. And so it was, it was a big loss that I look back on now as I, I kind of have to go through a grieving process as you do with any major loss in your life. Um, and I, I tried to carry on. My, my mindset was that I was going to try to be a producer and songwriter and, and continue to work in music. Uh, and I did to a certain extent, but it was difficult because obviously, I had had this magical experience that most people don't ever get to experience. Um, Definitely. And then it was gone. And so, like I was comparing everything to that experience, and then also looking at them still out there, you know, having new hits and and touring the world and and on the radio and and uh, TV all the time. so it was it was difficult for me to look at anything that I was doing and, and feel good about it in comparison to that. Um, so it was a tough time for me, and I, I fell into a, a depression of sorts. Um, I was definitely drinking too much, self-medicating, and um, and and then trying to figure out what was going on with me and going to therapists and psychiatrists and stuff, and my anxiety was getting worse and worse. It was actually worse in that time than it had been before. Um, and what I didn't realize at the time or, or just was in denial about was that the drinking and the ways that I was self-medicating was actually making it worse. Mm. Uh, when I finally quit all of that, um, a lot of, a lot of the anxiety stuff, uh, got better on its own, um, just by, you know, stopping the, the pattern of, of, of escape that I was doing, Mm. um, with the self-medicating. So um, yeah, it was a it was a tough time for me, but I learned a lot from it. I take a lot from it, and it really led to another phase of my life that has been really rewarding and fulfilling in the last uh, almost seven years now, um, where I I kind of turned a page and started a whole new uh, chapter. Um, literally, <laughs> in my life, We're, I'm now a therapist. I wrote this book, Harder to Breathe, as well, which is a, a memoir about my whole journey. And it's you know, it tells all these stories about the band um, and and the beginning of the band and everything we did on the rise up to the point where I left. But it, but the larger arc of the story is about me and my mental health and and uh, the the stuff that I can now look back on and and recognize as factors in what happened for me mm-hmm. beyond just the physical. Um, and kind of put the pieces together to, to see, um, what went wrong, how it all ended up the way it did, how I struggled through the things I did, and then how I was able to overcome a lot of that and find, um, a place of purpose and meaning and fulfillment in my life again.
1: I really, I really respect that Ryan, because I I just want to say for myself, you know, um, I personally have, you know, around, technically I have eight mental health disorders and I've had a very, you know, rough life. And, you know, a, it's inspiring to see someone, you know, like you who I grew up listening to was a fan of that also has suffered similar, you know, you know, whether it's anxiety or depression, you know, you know, it's, you know, it also shows for people that are listening that it's not, you know, this happens to successful people and famous people too. It's not, you know, it's not just, you know, You know, an average Joe, you know, type of thing. And the fact that, you know, you are, you know, you're taking your time out to be a therapist coach, and be able to inspire others and share your story to help, you know, others, you know, is, is a great thing because, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I shared my mental health story like on YouTube and, you know, I, I, I just try and, you know, I've gotten a lot of compliments I've just about, I've inspired them and I've, saved a few people's lives and you know because I've tried to commit suicide a few times so I'm very open about that and I talk about mental health awareness a lot on my podcast so that's one of the reasons why also why I wanted to get you on because of your new memoir you know harder to breathe and you do talk about mental health awareness so much so I just want to say thank you so much Ryan for you know speaking out and being able to use your you know platform and being courageous and brave to you know share your story.
2: Well, thank you so much, man, for saying that, you know, I, I, I'm so appreciative of, um, you know, the fact that you have, have used your struggles as a way to help people and a, as a way to reach people. And, and I think that telling our stories is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the people that are able to find a way um, to, through to the other side and find hope. In recovery, you know that's that's really um, a blessing that that when you pay it forward, it it benefits yourself, you know, in being able to be of service to others, but obviously benefits so many others in being able to see themselves in in not only, uh, you know the struggle, but in the solutions that you might have found. So um, I'm you know that's exactly what I'm trying to do as well. It's really just been a natural progression for me. Um, from early recovery where I was really just focusing on staying sober, dealing with the, the, the severe anxiety that I was dealing with, you know f- you know moving on from that chapter in my life that was so painful and, and depressing and, and grieving that loss, mourning that loss. Um, you know just really focusing on that in early recovery moved me into this place of service pretty quickly where um, the thing that was most powerful for me, was to share my story and to feel that I had something to offer from what I had lost. You know, I had gained something that was helpful to other people, mm. and so that led me just to volunteer at first uh, at a recovery center where people that were just starting to to try to get clean. Uh, you know, I would I was just peer support, and I would lead groups, and I would tell my story and, and talk to people and listen to them and give them some you know feedback on where they're at and some of the things that I'd learned and realizing how fulfilling that was and that in the process also just that I had some talents and skills that I had acquired in the process of everything I had gone through which just felt really amazing and boosted my my self-confidence for the first time in a long time because it was like I actually have something to offer the world that's not connected to you know playing the drums in room five and so you know it was just a natural thing for me to follow that that impulse to want to do that more
1: yeah because it was kind of like it's like your new purpose you know I don't want to I don't want to speak for yourself but like you know you know to me at least from my from an outsider perspective you know you know I I feel like you know we all have different purposes and, and we all go through different journeys and paths and you know and I honestly feel like you know some of us experience have to experience certain situations you know, to be able to share your story and help others so they don't have to go through it necessarily. Or if they did go through it or going through it, they can, you know, resonate and relate and and not feel alone. And I think that's, you know, something, you know, sort of special in terms of being able to share your story.
2: Yeah. And purpose is definitely the the, the perfect word, you know, to describe the feeling of I have actually even have a chapter in my book called Connection and Purpose, and it's really about that phase in my life where I realized that in in my struggles, I had been very isolated, disconnected from life and living, uh, and and just feeling very alone and without a lot of uh, meaning or purpose. And so just the very act of connecting to the world again, connecting to people in a meaningful way, um and and creating a a life in which um I, i create meaning and create purpose for myself by doing the things that i'm doing to share my story and to talk to people that that in and of itself was what i would call you know the sort of spiritual awakening that i had because it's very connecting it's very uplifting and so I just kind of followed that feeling, that feeling of purpose in everything that I was doing, followed it back to school to get a master's degree in clinical psychology. And that became my new passion and oh, okay. and becoming a therapist.
1: That's, that's awesome. I didn't even know that you, you got a degree in, in that. That's awesome, dude.
2: Yeah, it was like, I never imagined that I would, I would do that, you know, in 20 years after I got my bachelor's degree, I went back and got a master's degree and, and, and working with people one-on-one and in groups and with families and, okay. um, and now speaking you know um online and in person and telling my story and stuff it's just one thing after another that just feels like the next indicated action for myself for my own journey and my own recovery and where i'm at in my life but it's it's got that added element of of altruism which is just not only helpful to others but really just rewarding and makes me feel like um I may have lost some things that were very rewarding in the past, but in some ways I've, I've traded them for something that may be even more impactful.
1: Definitely. And I'm sure you'd rather, you know, much prefer, you know, being, you know, some sort of, you know, in some way, you know, your sanity, you know, over, over money. And, you know, because, you know, everyone, you know, that, that doesn't achieve that or get to that kind of level, you know, thinks, you know, money, you know, buys you happiness and make, makes, you know, changes everything but you know it it does to maybe a certain extent but you know there are also so many things you know bad elements that come with it as well um so so ryan what so right now you're a therapist coach obviously people can you know buy your new memoir harder to breathe um where can people check out your content online and follow you and stay up to date with you know every recent projects and you know upcoming projects that you have
2: yeah, well, I have a website, ryandusick.com, which is kind of uh, the, the starting point for everything that I'm doing between being an author and, and speaker and uh, events that I'm doing. And then um, as, a, as a therapist and coach, um, you know, my contact is on there. But uh, in terms of social media and keeping up with the things that I'm doing day to day, uh, Instagram is probably the main spot, um, at uh, Ryan Michael Dusick. Or at Ryan underscore Michael underscore sick okay. um, th- That's kind of it's a f- I, you know I try to have fun with it. It's, I definitely do mental health stuff on there and talk about about the, the things that I'm working on. And but it's also I, I throw in a lot of videos and photos of uh, you know old stuff of the band and um, musical stuff. So it's it's kind of it's for fans of the band and for people that want to see what i'm doing now and it's it's just kind of a good mishmash of everything that is me both past and present
1: okay definitely yeah you have to go give ryan a follow ryan i just have one last question and it's a personal question so for me personally you know I'm, i just turned 29 and i'm really starting to you know pursue a career in acting and i'm and I, mm-hmm. gonna move out to la soon and obviously like i told you i have anxiety and you know you suffer from anxiety as well and um you're introverted to a certain extent i am as well and it's kind of hypocritical you know to be like introverted but then also want to pursue a career in like you know the entertainment industry uh, <laughs> so uh, i was just wondering if you had any advice on you know just in, in terms of that journey you know just because just reflecting back on on your own life at least
2: yeah you know I I was definitely similar in that regard because uh I was I was shy as a kid and introverted by nature and you would have thought it would be out of character for me to get up on stage and bash on the drums in front of a lot of people right but in some ways it kind of makes perfect sense it was like if I if I'm feeling meek and withdrawn in some ways, then that that was a compensation. It was a way to kind of like make a lot of noise, and everyone has to pay attention, right? Mm. So it served that function for me early on. I mean, obviously, I think I probably, if I knew then what I know now, I I could have taken care better care of myself mm. going through everything that we did. Um, hindsight's twenty twenty. Right, right, exactly. But I think that the, you know, look, self-care is, is priority number one. There's no shortcuts. You know, I, the way that I look at it is like um, there's there's certain things that we need and that we require. And it's not just, you know, the, the sleep and, and nutrition. Like our mind, body and spirit are all um, requiring of nourishment, you know. Definitely. And if we're taking care of all of those elements and really making sure that we're okay, first and foremost, before anything else, um, we're going to be a lot better at the things that we do. And we're going to be able to come to the things we do as, you know, giving from a place of plenty as opposed, as, as opposed to a place of um, being drained. So the best, you know, advice as a starting point is, is just making sure that the self care is, is the number one priority, but also just in terms of the anxiety, I would say, you know, for the longest time my way of dealing with anxiety was to avoid the things that made me anxious mm. and and I, i've learned that the only way through it is through it and as uncomfortable as it is um, when you just face something that makes you anxious it becomes much less anxiety inducing pretty quickly mm. um, and you know this isn't true for everyone i mean some people have different experiences but um, for me I found pretty early on that once I could tolerate something that made me anxious, Mm -hmm. once I could step into a space that I had been avoiding and I realized that wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, Mm -hmm. or it maybe it was bad. Maybe I I, I really had a a bad anxiety attack, but I got through it. I lived and I did the thing that I, and the next time it wasn't quite as bad. When I realized that that was the case, I somewhere along the line in, in early recovery started walking towards the things that made me anxious. i started wanting to step into that space because i realized that it was a challenge that was going to be fulfilling and empowering as opposed to in the past when i tried to run away from it either literally just avoiding things or trying to escape it with alcohol or a pill or whatever Mm -hmm. um that that really just actually makes it worse because now you're telling your, your your mind and your body you're not capable of tolerating this and you need to escape it in some way or you need to numb it out in some way. And the reality is you are capable of tolerating it. Mm. And so the sooner that you can kind of recondition yourself to realize that. And also realize the other thing that's been really helpful is that anxiety is something that serves a, a, an evolutionary purpose. We all have it for a reason, right? Exactly. And it it can, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It can be a benefit. I see it now more as nature's performance enhancer. You know, <laughs> it's like if you're if you're going to be if you're going to try to get into the hitter's box and hit a 95 mile an hour fastball in, in, uh, in the majors, mm-hmm. you better have those butterflies. You better have those nerves because they're, they're going to make you able to, to react faster. Right. Exactly. And, and the same for me, you know, now doing some of the things that used to make me anxious, getting on stage in front of people and talking for a half an hour, like I better have those butterflies and I better be awake in that way. Cause I'm going to give the best performance when I feel alive you know? Um, and so it, it has that benefit. If you start to see it as that, and can harness it as that, as opposed to something that is like, I can't tolerate this. It's only going to be bad. It's only going to be panic. Mm-hmm. Um, then you start to realize how, uh, your relationship to the anxiety is more important than the anxiety itself.
1: Wow. That that's really good advice. Thank you so much, Ryan. I r- really appreciate that. That, that that's really helpful. I'm not I'm not even lying that I'll definitely take a lot of insight from that. Um Ryan, um you, obviously your memoir Harder to Breathe is now out. People can go check that out. Um Ryan, I wish you obviously so much success and happiness this year. And again, like thank you for coming on the show and you know, one more time, you know, thank you so much for having the courage and sharing your story and, and helping others, because I think that's a beautiful thing. And I feel like the world, we, we need more people like that in this world to make the world a better place. And, um, you know, you inspire me and, you know, thank you. And, and I really appreciate it, Ryan.
2: Thank you so much, man. This was uh, a really great opportunity to speak with you. And, uh, and it was a pleasure. Yeah.
1: Likewise, Ryan. Thank you so much and have a great day. You too what's up everybody thank you so much for listening or watching a brand new episode of on air with jt and of course as you know my name is justin thomas but you can call me jt and again thank you so much for all of your support i really really do appreciate it you can listen to this show exclusively on apple Podcasts, spotify Heart radio Just head over to onairwithjt.com and all of my links and platforms are there. You can also watch the full episodes and clips, behind the scenes, exclusive content at my YouTube channel. Just type in on air with JT. Just head over to onearwithjt.com, and everything is right there. And of course, if you are a business owner, a brand, a company, and you're interested in advertising on this podcast, my social media platforms, and my new podcasts that are launching this year, then send me an email. Of course, serious inquiries only. You can email me at jt at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. Yes, sir.
0: You are listening to On Air with JT. If you are a business owner, brand, company, or anyone selling a product and you want to advertise on this podcast, email the show directly at onairwithjt at gmail.com. We are offering extremely low rates for a limited time. Once again, email the show at onairwithjt at gmail.com. Listen to On Air with JT on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Go to onairwithjt.com. Caution, you are listening to On Air with JT, a fully uncensored, raw, and unfiltered show. JT doesn't give a fuck. You are listening to On Air with JT. Pop culture, news, rants, interviews, serious discussions that the mainstream media won't talk about, and so much more. This is On Air with JT. You are listening to On Air with JT. If you are a business owner, brand, company, or anyone selling a product and you want to advertise on this podcast, email the show directly at onairwithjt at gmail.com. We are offering extremely low rates for a limited time. Once again, email the show at onairwithjt at gmail.com. Listen to On Air with JT on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Go to onairwithjt.com. If you are a business owner, brand, company, or anyone selling a product and you want to advertise on this podcast, email the show directly at onairwithjt at gmail.com. We are offering extremely low rates for a limited time. Once again, email the show at onairwithjt at gmail.com. Listen to On Air with JT on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Go to onairwithjt.com.